Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to be. We're going to be talking about this familiar story, somewhat familiar story, I guess. It's from Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey. Um, now, there's an issue that pops up from this story uh, that happens for these guys, and it's, uh, it's kind of a, a case of mistaken identification, okay? Um, they, uh, they are seen as something or someone that they're not, and I was actually reading through some stories, and... Um, I heard about this zoo that had started this, uh, this training program, so to speak. Um, they really wanted their staff to be prepared uh, in case an animal escaped. And so, uh, so they decided they're going to they're gonna dress someone up in, a, in an animal suit. This happened to be a gorilla costume. They put this 35-year-old uh, uh, staff member of theirs in the gorilla costume and kind of set them loose. Unfortunately, they forgot to tell the vet that they were going to do this. And uh, the vet was... Um, well, was prepared for anything and pulled out his trank gun and uh, tranquilized this 35-year-old man and uh, spent some time in the hospital, but he made it out of it. Uh, now, that's, that's a, just a, a comical, humorous, mistaken identification kind of a story. They're, they're very common from what I've discovered in just reading about them. Um, the one we're going to look at today is uh, it's, it's fascinating when you, when you take into account that we just came out of Easter uh, and we celebrated... Believe it or not, I, be, I think Easter was last week. It was, yeah. Nothing seems normal anymore, right? Like, I, it, it's 2020. That's all I know. Um, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. But last week, we, we celebrated Easter. And the week before that, it was the, uh, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Okay? This is, that was Palm Sunday. And people were celebrating Jesus. And they were welcoming him in as the, the conquering king. Uh, not the sacrificial lamb, right? So we saw within that story how people were on one day, day one, celebrating him coming into town, palm branches, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, all that good stuff. And then by the end of the week, they totally turn on him and they're shouting out, crucify him. And it's just one of those things where Jesus was who he was. The, the crowd got it wrong and the crowd oftentimes gets it wrong. Um, in this story with, with the Apostle Paul and with Barnabas, the crowd's going to get it wrong again. Uh, but their turn on these guys is going gonna, gonna to take place uh, rather quickly. So Acts chapter 14, we're picking up. This, again, this is the first missionary journey from Paul and Barnabas. And they're continuing on. Now they've had uh, a group of Jews that have been following them around, stirring up trouble and all that good stuff, um, pushing them out of towns and all that. But that's fine because the gospel continues to uh, progress and uh, gets introduced to other other communities. So in verse 1, it says this, Now at, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles, uh, or Jews and Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds with or against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Lyconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So this is, this is just kind of par for the course. Um, Paul and Barnabas are going around. They're preaching the gospel. They're doing all this stuff. Trouble gets stirred up. And so the lead, and, you know, 
half of the town gets uh, motivated by the by the Jews here to persecute them, and they're gonna they're actually gonna they're plotting to kill them. They're plotting to take their lives. You don't just stone somebody as punishment. You stone them so that you can kill them. Uh, and so there was a plot that was uh, conceived, and these guys get word of it, and so they just move on to the next town. But but I want you to understand, um, they're not running for their lives. Paul and Barnabas are not running for their lives. So these guys are coming against them. There's tribulation, which, by the way, if you're a Christian, um, that is one, one thing that you can, you can absolutely count on, is there's going to be difficult times within your lives. Uh, that is one of the promises from Jesus that you can definitely bank on. Now, it's not one that we want to bank on. Nobody wants that. Nobody's you know, printing that out on throw pillows or whatever, right? Because we don't want to suffer. But suffering is a part of the experience. Um, so as Paul and Barnabas are experiencing suffering at the hands of others, they're not running away. They're not running for their lives. They're just, okay, you don't want what we have to offer to you. Then we're just going to move on. We'll move on. We'll shake the dust off of our feet, so to speak. We've already seen them do that. And they're just going to move on to another city. And, and they're going to continue to do the same thing. They're going to continue to speak boldly for the Lord. You and I can continue to speak boldly for the Lord. Uh, even in these great states of the United States of America, where it seems like, you know, praise God where we live, because we get to do this. We get to do a drive-in service. And in other states, uh, I guess it's a little more challenging, a little more difficult. Uh, and I, I understand that churches can get discouraged by that, and believers can get discouraged by that. Listen, we can still continue to speak boldly. There's just different avenues that, that we're, we're learning that we need to go down in order to do that. Um, so continue speaking boldly for the Lord. Um, continue to proclaim the grace of God. That, and that's something that our world desperately needs to hear more of, is that this God that we serve, he's a gracious God. He's a God who loves. He's a God who forgives. He's a God who demonstrates love or his grace towards us each and every day. His unmerited, unearned favor within our lives. I need to hear that message day in and day out. I know my, our, our beautiful town that we live in and the communities from where some of you guys are coming from, they need to be reminded or they need to know maybe for the first time that God is a gracious God. He's a gracious God. Now, he's a just God for sure. And we believe and we hope and we pray along with uh, John, who is the, who, you know, the Lord used to pen that great book of Revelation, that we pray he's coming back soon, you know, and that he will return soon. Um, because justice has to be done. But until then, because right now is not that day, right now is not that moment, it could be today, who knows. Um, God is pouring out grace and mercy and, it, and it's a beautiful thing. And so Paul and Barnabas are going around. They're speaking boldly for the Lord. They're testifying of his grace. Uh, and, and God is granting them signs and wonders to really to back up the message. They're also just proclaiming the gospel. Simple. Wherever they go, proclaiming the gospel. The fact that God would come on a rescue mission here to this earth uh, to die for sinners to be the perfect sacrifice for sinners um, and to raise from the grave three days later and to make access, make a way to, to where this relationship with him can be renewed and restored. And that's the key to the gospel is the incarnation, God becoming man. Okay, now that's key to the next part of the story. 
So in Lystra, where they moved on to, they're continuing on. They're, they're preaching the gospel. Now, we don't, we don't know totally what the, the scene is or the scenario is. We don't know if Paul is preaching to a crowd or if he's just sharing to individuals about Jesus. But there's one man who hears this message, and it, and it resounds within his heart. It says, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled. He was born crippled. Crippled from birth and never walked. So that's another key to this miraculous event. This guy has literally never taken a step in his life. Uh, we, don't, we, don't know, you know, we don't know if there was an accident when he was born or what was going on or just some sort of genetic uh, defect kind of. Um, but the guy has never taken a step in his life. He says he was listening to Paul speak. And Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had the faith to be made well. So Paul identifies this within the guy who's listening to him talk. He, he sees this guy, makes eye contact with this guy, and identifies the fact that this guy believes what I'm saying. This guy believes that uh, not only in the gospel, but the fact that, man, the Lord Jesus can do anything. Even restore a crippled man's feet. Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he, the man, sprang up and began walking. Right? So this isn't the first time we've seen this. We saw Peter do so, somewhat of a similar thing. But here's Paul. He's sharing the gospel. He's sharing about Jesus to either a crowd or to an individual. This guy is listening to the conversation, which is a good key for us, an application point for us. Um, you should be aware of the conversations that you're having with others. Not so much with the individual, although you should, but maybe concerning those who are around who may be listening in on your conversation. Now, I know these days that's kind of a rare thing because we can't really meet with each other. And if we can, it's got to be six feet distance and all that good stuff. Um, the point of it is you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening. So that could be good and bad. Right? If you've ever found yourself in a situation where you may be complaining, maybe at work you're complaining about your boss and little do you know that he's standing right behind you in earshot and can hear everything, right? You don't want that. Nobody wants that. Uh, so be careful concerning your conversations because this, you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening. And in this scenario, Paul is talking about Jesus and this guy who happens to be I don't want to say eavesdropping, but he's listening in on this conversation. And Paul identifies within this guy, like, look, you know that the Lord can heal you. Get up. Stand up on your feet. And the guy sprang up. He, he hopped up. He jumped up. Never has used his feet before in his life. Has never walked. Has never taken a step. He never had that moment in his life, those uh, toddler years where he got to take maybe one step and then fall on his backside, maybe two steps and fall on his backside. He never had that experience, never. But in an instant, in an instant, his feet are restored. They're made new. And he springs up and he is walking around. <clears throat> These types of miracles are kind of a representation of what happens within our lives when Jesus is welcomed into our lives. Because before Jesus, you're nothing but a, just, a, you're busted up. 
you're in a broken body, so to speak. And when Jesus comes into your life, when you accept Jesus, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have the ability because in an instant he can transform you into a new creation where you can spring up and you can walk around. That's what Christianity is. That's what giving your life to the Lord Jesus is. So that's kind of represented through this miracle. But this miracle also testifies of the fact that God was with these guys. He was absolutely with them. And he was proving it. And again, these are just part of that signs and wonders. So what about signs and wonders now? Right? So where, where, are we seeing these anymore? Yeah, we do see them. We absolutely do see them. Do we see them to this extent? Well, in some areas of our world, absolutely. But just because it may not happen when you show up to a Sunday morning service doesn't mean it's not happening at all, okay? The other side of this is there's a lot of times transformations are happening in an instant that we're not always aware of. Because sometimes when you're sitting in your car and you're listening to this guy talk about Jesus and sharing about the fact that he, he rose from the grave, he came and he died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the grave, you, ne you have no idea what may, what may be happening within the heart of an individual sitting in their car or maybe a, for an individual who is sitting at home watching right now through Facebook Live or on our BoxCast app or on our Calvary Galveston website. We don't know. But these miracles are still happening because the greatest miracle is a heart that is transformed by Jesus. So what a great, what a great moment. What a great, you know, shot of adrenaline for these guys, right? They walk into this new place and, and this guy gets healed and he's walking around. He's a, he's a walking, you know, witness, a testimony, born cripple, has faith in the Lord Jesus. Not in Paul, but he had faith in Jesus and he gets healed. So here's the crowd's response. <clears throat> it says, and when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, this is their, their language, the gods have come down to us. They're celebrating the incarnation. Now this is their own incarnation. We're dealing with Greeks here and we're gonna be dealing with Greek mythology. But as far as they understand, their gods that they worshiped have now taken on human form and are walking in their midst. Our gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus uh, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So just so you know, Zeus, um, not that you need to have a, a great understanding of Greek mythology. It is something that at one point in time in my life certainly fascinated me. I still read up on it every so often. Uh, even though I might get disapproving looks. I'm not a believer in Greek mythology. Okay, you can rest assured of that. Um, I just like understanding what people believe and why they believe that, okay? Because at one point in time, a large majority or portion of our world believed in these, these false deities, Zeus being the, the god of the sky, uh, oftentimes signified by lightning and thunder, the king of all other gods and men. He's like the king of kings, in the, for the Greeks concerning Greek mythology. And Zeus had, uh, well, he had many children. One of his children were, was Hermes, and that's the son of Zeus. He's the messenger of the gods, okay? So he's the chief speaker. And so that's why these guys are thinking like, I'm not sure why they labeled Barnabas as Zeus, but they did. Probably because Paul did all the talking. So they're like, well, this guy's got to be Zeus because this guy surely is, is Hermes. So they, they identify him as part of their false gods. Now, they are Zeus and Hermes don't really exist. I hope you know that. I don't think I need to say that, but they don't really exist, okay? 
So here's Paul, here's Barnabas, and, and these guys are beginning to worship them. That's a uh, very dangerous ground for preachers. Crowd worship. Um, that's very dangerous ground for preachers. That's a constant danger for preachers, in case you are not aware of that. Um, anytime a crowd will gather, now we understand within the church world that, and we hope and we pray that individuals are gathering because they want to worship Jesus and because they want to hear from the Word of God and they want the Lord to speak to their hearts and He's going to use some foolish vessel, a clay jar, a clay jar right? Just a clay pot um, to communicate that vessel. Uh, however, oftentimes we can get it skewed, right? And we can turn our pastors into celebrities. And unfortunately, at times, some of our pastors will embrace that, okay? Um, so it's very dangerous ground. It's very dangerous. Here's Paul and Barnabas. They're being identified as gods. And now these guys are, they're, they're preparing to worship them. It says that the priest of Zeus, who would have been the, Zeus would have been the chief god of this town, so you can imagine how stoked they are that, hey, our God has come down to us. Which again, remember, we just celebrated that last week with Easter. How quick, you know, there's always going to be a deception. The greatest deception, case of mistaken identity, is still to come. And that's when the Antichrist comes and people begin to uh, label him as the Messiah and begin to worship him as the Messiah. Mistaken identity. The Messiah has already came. He's coming back, but not in, the way that, uh, not in the way that most of mankind believes, okay? So here's the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the, uh, the entrance of the city. He brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowd. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living, actual God. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from the heaven and fruitful seasons, uh, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. So I love their response, right? Paul and Barnabas's response. They rush into the crowd immediately to set things straight. They're like, you're not gonna, wor you're not gonna worship us. And they were so disturbed by the fact that these people would even try to worship them that they're physically tearing their own garments. Paul and Barnabas have a great, a, a great understanding that you, the only one who deserves to be worshipped, the only one who deserves to be praised is Jesus. At no moment within our lives should we ever welcome the praise of men. We should always be, you know, deflecting that onto Jesus, right? Um, and, it, and that's a difficult thing. And I could speak as a, as a pastor, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, so to speak, because you may give a message that's great. I don't know, however you define what a great message is. I'm not sure yet, but um, people are encouraged by it, and they want to say, oh, you know what, such a good message and all that stuff. 
um, that's an awkward position for a pastor because immediately I know within my heart, I'm like, no, 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 no. It, hey, look, if anything good comes out of me, it's all because of Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's an absolute true statement. All right. Um, if God can, you, do, can do anything good out of any of us, all praise goes to him. Because I don't know about you guys, but I can speak for myself. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I don't even know how God does half of the things he does in and through me. I'm a wreck, and I'm always surprised by the fact that he even chose me. So if anything good comes out of result of this mess, all praise goes to him. All praise goes to him. So may that be our heart. Maybe that be our attitudes, okay? And it's not that you can't receive compliments. I'm not saying that, right? I'm not saying that. Nor should you go around thinking like, if you show up to a church and you hear a the pastor give a good message, it doesn't mean that you need to go to him and be like, hey, stay humble, you know, what, or whatever, right? Like maybe he needs to or whatever, but you can compliment for sure. But we all know within our hearts, we need to make sure that we're directing all praise to the Lord. Uh, Billy Graham, he, uh, he used to say, and this is one thing that, that stuck within, with, within my heart and my mind uh, as soon as I got saved, but I, I read this from Billy Graham. He says, um, for ministers, for anybody who serves uh, within the church, there, there are three, the three G's you have to stay away from. And that's uh, the gold, right? Stay, keep your hands off the gold, right? Don't have, you know, pastors, you know, and I don't, I'm not talking about how you do your finances or anything like that. We have, we have other people that handle all our finances uh, here, all the tithes that you guys give. Um, I don't see them. I don't even know. I have no clue. I don't know what you give, if you give. That's not my business, okay? That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but we do have people that handle that stuff, okay? So I don't touch the gold. Uh, don't touch the girls. That's another one, right? Because all three of these things that I'm going to name have brought down many uh, strong believers, okay? For sure. Don't touch the girls, right? Stay away from that. Don't, don't fall into that trap. Um, keep safe distance, accountability, all that good stuff. The last, the last G in that list is the glory. Don't touch the gold. Don't touch the girls. Don't touch the glory. And when we mess up, you know, any one of those three can take anybody out for sure. But the one we don't think that much about, we oftentimes neglect, is the glory. Paul and Barnabas are like, no, you're not going to worship us. No, this is crazy. In fact, let us tell you about the one you should be worshiping, the one true living God who created the heavens and the earth. And notice, uh, if you're reading through Acts, you, you know that their message to these Greeks is totally different from their message to the Jews. Uh, Paul's going to address, he's going to go back to Genesis, so to speak, but he's going to let these guys know, hey, this one living God that we worship, he created the earth, he created the skies, he created all this stuff. I got a bug flying around me. Um, he's created all this stuff. He's made the rain that produced your crops. He has been blessing you from the day you've been born. Any blessings that you have in your life, they're all due to him. They're all due to him. And so he, he, they convey this message to this crowd, but it says the, the end of that section there, even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering a sacrifice to him. They couldn't control these guys. They had lost it. They're going all out. I mean, they're slaughtering bulls probably right there in the street. They're celebrating song and dance and all that good stuff. Um, but it doesn't take long for that celebration to totally stop. 
And here's where, here's where this crowd, this, this group of, of Jews that have been following them, they show up. It says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Or Iconium. So these guys have been following them every step of the way. You ever feel like you're being trailed by the enemy every single step of the way in your life and walking with Jesus? Right? Let, let me tell you this. <clears throat> if you don't feel that, then that's where you need to stop and say, okay, Lord, what's not right in my life? Okay? Because, listen, nobody wants to be trailed by the enemy, so to speak, but he's only going to follow those who are a threat. Okay? So I'm not saying you, you go out and you're like, I, I want Satan to mess with me. I want Satan to follow. I'm not saying that because we're not crazy. However, I am saying you, you need to be on mission for God. And when you're on mission for him, the enemy will be following you. There will always come some sort of trial, some sort of tribulation within your walk with Jesus. You show up, you do a great thing, and then maybe somebody else comes around to totally derail that good work. It happens. It happens. So what do you do? You just give up. Just give up. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah, just totally cash in and say, all right, Lord, look, this isn't working out. This is hard. So I'm just going to sit on my, uh, my derriere, and I'm not going to do anything until, you know, I, you either come and get me or I go to heaven. Right? No, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. No, you keep running. You keep running the race. You don't give up. Coronavirus hits. Okay. Kind of stinks for all of us, right? Yeah, it does. Does that mean we stop? No, we don't stop. We don't stop. Is it easy to get discouraged in times like this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it easy for doubt to come in and creep in? Because, man, and I think of even just our little church here, we're experiencing so much momentum, and we just started Thursday nights, and some new people were showing up and all this good stuff, and then out of nowhere, this stupid little bug shows up and turns the world upside down. So do we stop? Do we give up because it's too hard? Not at all. Not at all. Because better days are coming. Better days are coming. Maybe not in this life. The greatest days are coming for all believers. Eternity with Jesus, those days are coming. So we keep running. We just keep running. Just like Paul and Barnabas here, uh, they get chased out of one town. Well, they go to the next town. And they go to the next town. They don't stop going to each, any one of these towns until God says, okay, this missionary trip is done. Even if the enemy is hot on their heels. So these guys show up. It says that having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city. Like they didn't even drag him out of the city to stone him. They stoned him right then and there. Now here's where I throw in my dad joke of my kids. My kids are watching over. We were talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about yesterday. But we were talking about uh, Queen, the band uh, from maybe the 70s and the 80s. Uh, the song, We Will Rock You. And I... Of course, I'm a dad who, who has all these awesome dad jokes. Uh, started singing that song at our dinner table saying, hey, that totally relates to the chapter I'm going to be teaching out of next week. Now, nobody is stomping and clapping saying, we will rock you to put the Apostle Paul. Uh, but these guys grab stones and they begin to chunk these stones at him right there. They stir up the crowd. This crowd in one moment, literally in one moment, is sacrificing animals, trying to worship Paul and Barnabas. And in an instant, they are grabbing rocks and hurling them at the Apostle Paul to kill him. 
That's how quick it can change. Oh, you're not who we thought you were? You're not Zeus? You're not Hermes? Okay, then we're just going to kill you. What? What kind of reasoning is that? What kind of rationale is that? That's insane. But they were stirred up. They were motivated by outside sources. Just like they would stir up the crowd for Jesus when he was headed to the cross. Release the criminal. Release the known murderer. We'd rather have that guy. Release the criminal. Sacrifice the innocent one. Yeah, what kind of logic is that? That, that's, there's no logic within that. None at all. So they drug him out of the city. They thought he was dead. He wasn't dead. He never died. It says, but when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and entered the city. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, so here's me. If, God forbid this ever happens. I don't really see this happening in Galveston. But maybe a crowd stirs up and they begin to throw rocks at me, okay? Let's hope and pray that never happens. And you drag me out of, the, well, we live on an island, so where out of the city can I go? Um, over the causeway or across the ferry, they drag me around there. And I recover from that. The last place I'm probably going to go is back into Galveston, all right? I'm thinking like, it doesn't seem like those people want me there. Um, and God, I don't know, I don't know completely about open and closed doors, but that seems like a closed door. So I'm going to just move on. You know, they can have all my stuff. I'll get my family and we'll get out of here. Paul, as these disciples are gathered around him, probably praying, and it's through their prayers. I mean, he pops up just like the the lame man at the beginning of the chapter. Paul's going to spring up. He's like, all right, let's go back. (laughs) Let's go back. Are you crazy? Are you crazy, right? No, that's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's not worried about these guys. He's trusting in the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord. He rose up, entered the city. He says on the next day, he went, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. So he went back into the city, spent the night there, got some rest. Him and Barnabas packed their bags and moved on to Derby. It says when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium, and to Antioch. So they backtracked all the way back through all these cities where they were chased out of. Why? Well, because that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you do church. That's how you do church. You show up, you preach the word, and in this case, you preach the gospel, you make disciples, And then you encourage and strengthen the believers. That's how you're supposed to do church. Now, there are many other things you can do within doing church and communion and worship and praying. And all of that is a part of this. I don't think you can do any of that stuff um, apart from making disciples and preaching the word and encouraging the saints. That all goes together. But you want to know how to do church. This is how you do church. You preach the word. You make disciples, and you encourage the believers. See, evangelism is a part of that. Uh, I mean, all of that, it's all in, in, you know, encased within those three things. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were doing. They were going city to city, preaching the gospel, making disciples, and encouraging the believers. And then on their way back up through these towns, they're encouraging the believers. And it says here they're going to they're gonna set in place some elders. Because Paul can't be the pastor of all these churches. That's ridiculous. Okay, this whole, he, Paul, he, he's not really, 
into satellite churches. Now, there's nothing against that. I know that there's a lot, there's some, maybe satellite churches out there now. That's economical for a time period, I think. But if there's well-abled bodies of leaders, well, why not make all those churches autonomous? Raise up leaders. Raise up elders. Ordain them. Set them free. Let them go. Now, if you're part of a satellite church, I'm not bashing on you at all. I understand that that's part, maybe part of the plan. But I just, I'm looking at Paul's simple plan here. He's like, preaches the gospel, makes disciples, encourages the believers. And then he follows up by appointing other leaders than himself to be the pastors of those churches. It goes on to say that uh, he, he says he's uh, made many disciples. They return to Lystra, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, keep on going, continue in the faith. Hey, uh, April something, 2020. Um, hey, all you guys listening and watching online, just keep, keep running, keep running, keep running with the Lord. And it says that they encourage these believers by saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. It's all part of it. Tribulations are a part of it. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, every church that was planted, they appointed elders, well-qualified men to lead the churches. That's what they did in every church. With what? With prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed, or they, or they ordained them, okay? By a show of hands kind of a deal, they're ordaining these men into the leadership of the church. Paul's going around saying, look, I got to go because the Lord's got, he's going to send me on other missions. I can't be the pastor. We don't have, they didn't have live streaming back then. You know that, right? So it just made sense. Listen, there are well-qualified individuals in each and every one of these towns, Lay hands on them, pray and fast about it first. And when there's that confirmation, lay hands on them and set them free to, to lead the church, to lead the church. It, it's also a dangerous thing when we put all of it onto one man. I mean, this, this whole, the, the worshiping of, of men was, was greatly, you know, personified, so to speak, within, you know, Paul and Barnabas being labeled as Zeus and Hermes, uh, had Paul continued on with like, well, no, I'm the pastor of each and every one of these churches. He's essentially falling into the same trap. There are qualified people, believe it or not, there are qualified people all over this globe who the Lord can use to lead churches. We, we our, our role as Calvary Galveston is to continually be on the lookout for who those people might be. Because we want to plant other churches. That's always been a part of our, our goal. We want to plant other churches because there's a lot of places, especially down this Texas coast, a lot of towns could use just faithful, gospel, word-preaching kind of churches, and we want to be a part of that. But I will never be the pastor of those churches. That's not my role. That's not my gig. I'm the pastor of Calvary Galveston. But we want to identify people who might be called into the leadership and we want to set them in place and set them free to pastor because that's what Paul did. And I think it's a brilliant plan. So it goes on to say, uh, it says they passed through uh, Pisidia, if that's how you say it, and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God 
for the work which they had or the work that they had fulfilled. It says, and when they arrived and gathered, they gathered the church together, they declared that all that God had done, that God had done with them, okay, and how he, God, had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the, uh, with the disciples, or as a New Living Translation says, they stayed there with the believers for a long time. They are going to catch their breath, okay? But this is what's cool about this. So Paul goes out, he's planting churches, he's encouraging the believers, and he comes back to his sending church because every missionary should come back to their sending church and give a report of what God is doing, of what God is doing. And every church that supports missionaries should gladly welcome missionaries to come back and give a report of what God is doing. And that's something that we try to do. We, we try to make, we want to make all our missionaries feel, feel so special, right? So we have our friend, Laura. Uh, she's out in Russia, a dear friend of ours from Bible college, actually, 20 years ago. Um, she, she came, her and Olga came this last January. They came the year before that. When they show up, we want them to feel loved and appreciated for all that God is doing in and through them. And we're going to give them a platform. We're going to give them a whole Sunday morning to testify, just like Paul and Barnabas got to do here at this church. They're going to testify of what God is doing. So any other missionaries that we have and that we bring on that we're going to be supporting, because we're not stopping any of that support. We're not stopping any of that support. Any money that comes in, we are still supporting missionaries, and we're looking to support more. But we will gladly welcome missionaries that we support, and I will gladly hand over the pulpit to those guys and say, you tell us what God is doing in and through you and all the great things that he's done with, through your ministry. We need that. The body needs that. Missionaries need that. It's a difficult thing to go out on mission for God, uh, especially if you're going to go out planting churches or starting orphanages or, or even just creating uh, a, an insane Bible, um, online Bible ministry like the, like the Bible Project that is reaching millions upon millions of individuals. These difficult things to do. You're going to encounter, remember Paul and Barnabas, the enemy was always hot on the trail. It's the same for all our missionaries out there as well, okay? So we want to encourage them. But this is how you do church. This is, this is how you walk with the Lord Jesus. If you could summarize this chapter, you just keep going. A, a, a difficulty comes in your life. Listen, nobody likes that. And if you have prayer requests, you need prayer for anything, by all means, let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to be there to encourage you and to help strengthen you in your walk in pursuit of Jesus. We absolutely want to be there for you. But it's to be expected. If you're thinking like, man, I gave my life to the Lord and it's been nothing but difficulty and hardship, maybe I did something wrong. No, let me tell you, you've done everything right. You've done everything right. And it seems counterintuitive, but it actually is what you should expect because the enemy is going to go after anyone who is a threat to him. So any trials, tribulations that you face within your life, you really can, just like you ladies are going through the book of James, you can really kind of rejoice in these things. Because God is going to use those to strengthen you. So you don't give up. You don't quit. You keep on running. You keep on preaching the gospel. You keep on sharing the good news. You keep on telling people and testifying of how good Jesus is. And you keep your eyes on him. You keep on running. You don't stop. We don't get to stop, guys. We don't get to stop. We keep running. We keep running. 
the finish line, I believe, is closer than it ever has been. It's closer than it ever has been. In fact, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are sensing the same thing. And, and I could be off. And if I'm off, then I'm off. But I, nobody knows the date. Nobody knows the time. Nobody knows any of that stuff. But it appears to me that the light at the end of the tunnel seems to be getting bigger. It's almost like you can see that tape at the end of that finish line. And it's getting closer. And if you've ever run any kind of races, you understand that it's when you get a glimpse of that, there's sometimes this adrenaline boost that happens within your body, the second burst. Where it's like, all right, there's the finish line. I'm going to run hard. I'm going to keep going. That's my encouragement for all of us. As we walk through the book of Acts, we see this with the Apostle Paul. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and you keep running. Keep running. It's always too soon to give up. It is always too soon to quit. Always. So I'm going to pray. I don't know what time it is. I got no clock out here. Um, Oh, hey, there we go. Um, look, uh, look at this, the weather. Like, uh, it was supposed to be raining right now. Now it's sunny, and I'm sweating like crazy because it's Galveston and it's humid. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I, I just want to encourage you guys, keep running, keep running. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you did come to this earth. And Lord, you lived a perfect, sinless life. And Lord, you died on the cross for our sins. You rose from the grave three days later. We can celebrate the incarnation, God becoming flesh, because it really happened. And Jesus, you were the, you, it was you. You're the Messiah. So we thank you for that, Lord. We also thank you that you've gone to prepare a place for us. John chapter 14 tells us that. But Lord, you also encourage your believers, your disciples, that you would return. And so we pray that you would come back quickly, Lord. But until then, may we not get discouraged, Lord. And if we get discouraged, which is natural, Lord, I pray that we would just turn our eyes to you. I pray, Lord, that you would bring people within our path, Lord, who know how to lift us up, how to encourage us, how to edify us, Lord. I pray that we would be on the lookout for those who need encouragement as well. So we thank you, Lord Jesus. We, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. We pray for all this. We pray for healing to happen across our land, across this globe with people who are sick with this virus. Lord, for fear um, that continues to grow. Lord, we pray that, I, I just pray, Lord, you, you would move in a mighty way. You would move in a mighty way. We pray for revival to happen, Lord. So we thank you, Lord. Pray for anybody who's watching online, struggling right now. Uh, we, we, we sincerely, we pray for you. Uh, if there's any way we can help you out, please let us know. Pray for all people sitting in this parking lot. We're praying for all you guys as well. Let's stay strong. Let's stay focused on Jesus. And Lord, we do thank you. We love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.